What's up, guys? Welcome to episode seven of the Dopest Podcast. As always, I'm Gray. I'm here with the man Jay from the fabulous business of cannabis. Please make sure to go check them out. That's amazing. And as always, we are sponsored by Tope Tax. And if you want to get started on the platform, text hi to 647-371-0391. But today we're going to dive into some more retail numbers that came out of the uh, that headset report we were talking about last week. And also talking about some interesting articles that have been coming out talking about the declining retail prices uh, for individual products in retail store formats. And to kind of dive into this, we brought on fan favorite. We've got Cliff, a uh, great independent retailer from Toronto doing his thing. And uh, yeah, welcome, Cliff. What's up, man? What's up, y'all? Thanks for having me again. How are you doing? No problem. How you doing, mm -hmm. Jay? I'm good. Sorry, you want me to talk at some point. I'm well. <laughs> Thank you. I was like just grooving along, playing with my beard, looking at my shirt. <laughs> You're saying enough already with that beard of yours. I could say nothing. I don't even yeah. have a microphone. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you could it's actually a microphone actually the, the way beard. the way we're on screen. It's like um, it's degrade like it's beard like beard, long beard, short beard, no beard. Yeah. Yeah. I think it gets better. The, the less beard there is, the, the better this show's going to yeah. be. But different, <laughs> stage, different stages of receding hairline. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. Okay. Oh, oh yeah. So we should be flipping you and Grayson then. Oh, yeah. Hold on, I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. There we go. No. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah, go. There you go. All yeah. right. Um, okay. So the reason why I clicked on this link is because you want to hear about what's going on in the industry. And today we're going to talk about how sales are skyrocketing Canada. With mm -hmm. Canada's recreational marijuana sales could reach. They're talking about four point eight billion dollars. Uh, 3.8 billion US this year, which would be a 19% increase over 2021's expectations. While this is all happening and the sales are increasing, what's also happening in the industry is that there is some significant price drops. Um, there's this information that came out from Headset. We love all that data that comes out from there, but they are saying that prices declined for every Canadian cannabis product category mm -hmm. during the full, full year of Canada's evolving adult use marijuana market. Mm -hmm. We can get into what they actually are, but my kind of question is, obviously, for you, Clifford, is what's it like being a, a retailer when you are seeing the immense mass sales that are happening in the industry, but at the end of the day, the product prices are going down? So what, what are you doing as a retailer to combat this, or what have you seen from uh, producers in product size formats? That's that's a good question. So a couple points to that. So in terms of um, increasing sales nationally, that you, you got to believe has to do with the fact that there is a crap ton of dispensaries that have been opening up. So we have more retailers in more markets opening up a little bit less restrictions. You're inevitably going to increase sales. So that's that's definitely a driving factor. But you got to remember as one it's one giant pie. Right. And it's the same filling in that pie except the slices are getting smaller and smaller between each retailer. So yeah, it's great. It's an important step. Um, it's very positive. We're still at the beginning stages of this, right? But that's going to be one of the driving factors. We have more retail stores, more access to cannabis, obviously more sales are going to increase. With, with regards to pricing, 
Um, from a consumer standpoint, that's obviously awesome. You know, the the as a result of of what's happening with with legal pricing, it's a matter of LPs are perfecting their craft. They've gotten up to scale. They put massive investments in it. Um, there's obviously lots of consolidation happening, but you're seeing these LPs start pumping out good product in a more efficient way, which is allowing them to bring down their costs. Um, I'd also like to believe that a lot of these, um, all the provincial distributors, they're starting to realize how ridiculously high their gross margins are. Like I'm telling you, you know, they're between 40 and 60 gross margin, a retailer, if you cut out the, you know, the value you know, the value stores, the ridiculously lost leaders, um, average margins are, you know, hovering between 25 to 35% gross on a retail level. The distributors are way higher than us as retailers and way higher than the growers. So I'm, I like to think they're starting to clue in and that's starting to change a little bit. Um, as a result of these price drops, you're also seeing on the black market, the legacy market, they themselves are sort of in a panic mode. They need to drop their prices further to compete. And in their circle, they're also competing with each other, right? So you have, you know, let's keep it simple, quads, top shelf, premium weed that was going for like, you know, 180, 200, 220 a couple of years ago, is being sold for like 120 now. Now you, you gotta ask yourself, how far can these guys go when their margins are completely compressed? And, and what you're seeing, which I think is great, is a lot of these legacy guys who grow great weed, they're like, you know what, screw it. My margins are at this level, I might as well go legal. And they go legal and they accept the fact that running a legal business costs more. You got fees, you got regulations, licensing, all that stuff. So the margin is just, and taxes. That's the, you know, the key thing. You know, who knew running a legal business costs so much, right? So, so that's a driving force. Um, so, but all around, I think it's excellent for the consumer. They have more choice. Um, they have more access to cannabis. The quality is going up. So that's a good thing. Uh, when it comes to this price compression, a lot of it is being skewed by these, these value, these price chopper brands. Like, so, and a lot of them are massive corporations and you see this in a lot of new industries. You have these big players come in who are selling weed at massive losses. Like they're, gro they're making a couple gross margin points, right? But from an operational standpoint, they're hemorrhaging cash. Like we know all the big brands who are doing it. They are losing money, but they have a lot of backers behind them. And their goal is to basically starve out the independents, starve out the little guy who can't, who can't fight and then drive market share, drive awareness. And then once they start going away, um, the margins will start going back the other way. So, so that's going to be very difficult for, for an independent. The network I'm part of, although it's a larger brand, I'm still independent and, it, and it's a tough time, you know, but um, you got to be capitalized in this market. You know, every, you, no one said it was going to be easy and you got to know what you're walking into. Um, but the sort of the, the bottom line of it is this compression is wreaking havoc on the market massively. That's what the intention is. You know, to starve out the competition, you're already seeing closures happening as a result. Um, more is coming, like it's just starting. You know, a lot of these big players are predicting over the next year to two years, like you could see literally like 50% of the shops close. Hmm. Um, or at least many of them move, close and move to like, for example, in Ontario, hopefully Mississauga opens up, Richmond Hill, 
um, Oakville. You know, there's so many jurisdictions in our province that still don't allow legal recreational cannabis. Um, that's all also going to further cannabis sales and make it easier and more accessible to everybody. But so are you when people coming into the store, are you finding that the market is responding or in the sense that are people coming in, they want cheaper cannabis all the time. Is that, is that what's happening? So not, not all the time. There's definitely going to be the, the case of that there. So there's people that they know exactly what they want. they know exactly where to get it and they know exactly what they want to pay for it. So there's that market. Then there's people that don't care about quality of weed. They just want to get high, give me the cheapest stuff possible. There's always, Jay, where do you fall on that list? Where do you fall on that list, Jay? Depends on the day, to be quite honest. Like, you know, but I think that's the thing. Like, it, 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 people fall, they don't fall necessarily one. It could be shop time specific, mm -hmm. time of week specific, you mm -hmm. know, how far away they are from paycheck specific. Like, there's there's a thousand factors and it's it's challenging. Especially um, in a, yeah, especially in a depressed economy where people are underpaid, they're underemployed. Um, we, we don't have the, the, the foot traffic. People are living in the suburbs, no tourism, right? So there's a whole bunch of things that are preventing people from, you know, stepping it up in terms of the experience. Now, there is going to be a difference between a shop who's running at healthier margins, like reasonable margins, like any other retail business versus these cheaper brands, these price chopper brands. The level of service is night and day. You know, like I'm, I'm you know, this may come off as a little bit rude, but there are stores that are value-based that are hiring people with a pulse. That's about it. Um, there's zero training. They're getting zero support. And the service is completely lacking. You go in, you're not there to get an experience. You're not there to get education. And you're not there to match the product to the vibe. You're there to get weed sold to you as, as like a clerk. That's about it. And people are, are starting to realize that, especially when you have products that are constantly changing and like, it's not like the alcohol business where a lot of these brands, they have, they make great products and then they milk these products for decades. You know, they'll come up with a couple new products here and there, but it's consistent every time cannabis consumers are fickle. They want to try something new all the time. So you got to constantly be changing up your grow. And as a result, there's more knowledge to be had. There's more education that's going to be had. And if you can't, you know, educate your customers, your guests effectively, um, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna show. So people are starting to make those shifts. They're like, you know what? I can get a good deal. And I see that too. I have customers come in, you know, I grab these types of products there, but man, you guys blow it out of the park in terms of the experience, the service, how you match the product. So I think. Ah, interesting. So yeah. it's like somebody that shops at like uh no frills and then we'll go to like stock TC for like the, the high end stuff. Or That's something. it. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. Yeah. Dogs. Yeah. yeah, that's some high end. Huh. That's that place is crazy. Uh, that place is crazy. <laughs> oh man, alive! Uh, I mean, I, I would just shoot for like uh, get very local here, like uh, yeah, uh, Fiesta Farms. That's like mm -hmm. that's the sweet spot. I imagine. Hey, I, I boiled things down to a couple of things. I have a new. I have a new thing. Can sure. you see this? Let's see over the other way. Okay. Oh. Headset. Yeah. Sales are up. Price is down. The right. one thing that you haven't talked about is that uh, you did touch on Clifford. Is that um, the OCS says they're getting four, you know, there's only 48% of people on the spend going to the legacy market. The other thing I put here is uh, this is, we, we had an event this week at Business of Cannabis about inventory mm -hmm. and the idea that, and Clifford knows this in, intuitively um, and intimately is that like 
there are skews that move. The high velocity skews yes. are critical to a, a store's success. And I think, you know, looking at the retail, the retailers and there's just a proliferation of them, some of them may go out of business because they're not great operators. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that ties back to like the inventory they sell. Yes. Is not, they're, they're not seeing what is bringing them profit or moving out the door. And they may have the primo, primo weed, mm-hmm. but it's actually not selling at any kind of velocity. And yeah. you can't make money if it only goes out the door once a month. Right. Yeah. Like if if you're re-upping the same thing five times, right. like there's chance to make five times. To- like it, all those mm-hmm. things are super critical to business operations. Mm-hmm. I know none of it. You know everything. But I'm just saying like in this compressed price environment, mm-hmm. in this hyper competitive market, you need to also be a great operator from a customer service and training perspective for your right. staff, from your inventory perspective, understanding your inventory, like keeping track of it all the time. I don't mean like 100%. compliance wise. I mean like an array and price points That's and right. yeah. quality and like, and your store Clifford is different than probably, you know, another store that could be honestly like four blocks away, different clientele, different buying habits. Mm-hmm. You know, the weather plays a role, uh, you know, tourism, foot traffic, all those things. It's totally. three dimensional chess for what you have in the store, but like you really got to be good at it. Yeah. To that, to your, your initial point, like who knew cheaper weeds sold faster, mind blowing concept, right? If there's, <laughs> But there's a there's a point where like, you know, we got some wicked brands out there, you know, Ghost Drops, for example. Awesome weed. It's incredible. It's finally this is what we've been waiting for. Um, And, you know, I'd be interested to see how long we can handle at that price point that it's typically sold for. It's still quite pricey. Right. Maybe if they sold larger quantities, the price per gram would come down. That would be a great thing. But the your your other point about operating a store. Like, let's face it, we're in a new industry and you're constantly testing things. Number one, you want to make sure all holes are plugged. You want to have different consumption methods, price points, quality points for sure. But sometimes, and it happens to me, you bring something in and it's not moving. You got to put it on sale. You got to get it out of there. Get it in a piece. Maybe it's a situation where it's really good. It's just because there's no marketing. You need to get it into somebody's hands. So put it in somebody's hands on sale they'll be happy to come back and purchase it at regular price because they realize it's a good product or you just got to clear stuff out. You got to blow it out. And a lot of people, they're so focused and, you know, I can be a victim of that. So focus on the gross margin as opposed to the gross profits that we're earning. So it's about moving more at a greater velocity and finding that sweet spot. But I'd, I'd also like and hope to see, you know, once the battles settle down a bit, retailers start to realize which products should be sold at a lower margin versus which products could be sold at a higher margin, higher value products or, or cheaper products. For example, you add a couple bucks to that. It's still dirt cheap, but the margin is higher, you know, pre-rolls yeah. for example, you know, for example, but yeah, you're that right. Takes you industry coordination, though. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it right. does, but the, the industry is poorly coordinated. And I mean, it's also set up to be poorly coordinated because everybody buys, certainly in Ontario, the same provincial distributor. So so Clifford gets the same sell sheet as the value proposition folks that you've talked about. But like, it's it, look, it's funny, not funny. That's not the right word. You remember back in 2019, we're like, holy shit, there's only 25 stores. And it's like another 50. What good does that do? Like that wasn't that long ago, like 2020, I think December, 2020 Mm -hmm. to December, 2021 saw 111% increase in the number of stores in Ontario. Like Mm -hmm. it just went bananas. And so now 
you know, I think, you know, it went very, very slow, then like rocket it up. Like, and then it, I think it'll like, we'll find the equilibrium by neighborhood for sure. But, you know, we, I just had a conversation with someone in Sudbury. They have 15 or 16 stores and people are like up in arms or 16 stores. Like there's 160,000 people. That's, that's about right. Right. And like they draw from a huge area geographically. So right. yeah. you know, like it, it, this is not one province and 111% seems like a ton in, in Toronto, mm-hmm. but seems like kind of a trickle in like, you know, mm-hmm. in Sudbury, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah. you you know, if you're a lot of people would say to me, like the government screwed up. They allow so many stores to open and you, you know, I get that. And, but to play devil's advocate and I don't like it, but to play devil's advocate, if you put restrictions in place, guaranteed pay for play is going to happen. There's going to be corruption that happens. People who pay the right person, they're going to get their store open. So in this matter, you know, capitalism is a bitch, right? You're, we're allowing free form capitalist capitalism shake it out. And that's, that's how it goes, you know? And, um, you know, I, I, I like to think that I'm on the, the, you know, on the, the top of the wave as we go forward, but there's no guarantees in this world. Right. So that's a risk you get into in operating an, a, you know, a completely open business in a completely open industry, but it's, there will be growing pains as they are now. Right. So that's the reality. But so in, in just like recapping what you said, I've got another like just two points I want to bring up and mm-hmm. questions. But my I'm interested in the fact is you talked about these higher end cannabis products and like all mm-hmm. mature retail markets, there mm-hmm. is a spot for what do you want to call it luxury goods. And I guess my mm-hmm. question is, do you see that happening? Both of you, do you see that happening in the cannabis industry or do you think price compression will move those people or those that that store model out of the way? From a store model or from a product perspective? Um, Let's go from a store model, like for both. But yeah, like, do you think there will be high end boutiques for just cannabis and people will go in and spend 60, no, 45 to 60 bucks for, yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough because I mean, I think there will be, and there are in other places in other market. It's, it's like challenge right now, because even if you are that store, and you are in the right neighborhood and you have the right clientele, that same clientele can go on the Ontario cannabis store and pay whatever like that's that price is, or go to the right. value-ish mm-hmm. type store. And they have high end product too, because everybody's buying the same thing. So like it, it, what I, it's, it's not a great system right now. Mm-hmm. I, there are going to be growing pains and, mm-hmm. but I, I certainly there are high end cannabis buyers and they will be focused on specific mm-hmm. shops. But mm-hmm. as, as Clifford said, like, some of it is not about the products, although that is important. It's like, what are people willing to pay for the experience of going into that store, mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. educated, having a friendly staff? Because you can make the same argument from grocery stores too. And people still go to Farm Boy and Fiesta Farms and No Frills. And they mm-hmm. do it sometimes all in the same week. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's room for different models. It's just mm-hmm. where do you want to go and how do you want to feel? Totally. To, to two points to that question, Grayson. One, honestly, from what we're seeing, like, yeah, you can have a bit higher end experience and vibe, but it's proving to not be the case. You know, a lot of these guys, a lot of these brands came in and they're like, have the, you walk in, it's like a museum. It's like super fancy and you got to know your market. And yeah, maybe there's some newer consumers that can fit that, that product, but there's definitely nowhere near as enough of them as, you know, the legacy consumer. That's who we're obviously trying to attract more. I want somebody to come into my shop where they're like, wow, this is, I don't want them to think that I'm in some pretentious, like super fancy shop. 
but I also don't want to be some dump hole. So, you know, that 80 year old lady down the street looking for some CBD doesn't feel like she's walking into a crack den, you know? (laughs) (laughs) know, It's interesting. It's interesting you say that because we, uh, we had an event this week, I said about inventory and we had on the um, California editor for Leafly Mm -hmm. and you know, there's always in every business, like the 80, 20 rule, like 80% of the cannabis is bought by 20% of the people mm-hmm. like that makes sense. And, you know, find your, find that 20% that are right for your store. Mm-hmm. He was saying that there's even more than that. There's like, I think he called them the hype consumer. Okay. That is like 10% of the consumers buying 50% of the product. So oh, wow. even yeah. honing it down further and like, it, it could be a different 10% in every store, mm-hmm. but like that, you know, you, you, you know, and there's no way to know that really until you open and like start seeing what products, what people like all the stuff, but mm-hmm. like they're, they're seeing in, in the more mature markets, like 10% of the consumers buying 50% of the product, right. they buy, they come in to buy bulk and they come in to buy the hype new stuff. Yeah. And that's, you know, th- like considerations on, on what you carry, how you carry it, how you train your people, all those things. It's, it's, uh, it's only things you learn over time, really. Yeah. And to the, the product quality standpoint, like a year ago, stuff that was selling for 50 bucks no wonder people were complaining about legal weed. Like you, you can sell, you can always sell something at a, at a higher price point if the quality there is there to match. So it's not only the quality, but it's also, especially in these early stages, who's growing it? How are they growing it? So, you know, a $50 product now is like, wow, this is like, okay, this is what we're talking about. We're seeing Terps consistently over 3%. You know, it, it typically it's usually hard to grow high THC weed, THC weed and high terp weed, but now that's both happening. So if I'm going to get smacked over 25% and I'm seeing terps coming in three, four, 5% or higher, people are going to go, yes, okay, finally. And then they find out who's growing this stuff. Oh man, that was my, I was grabbing from that guy, you know, before legalization and he's now in the legal market. Okay, great. Now I'm starting to trust the companies because they have great medical growers, legacy growers. They're growing it right, marketing it right, communicating to the culture right. And I think that's where you're starting to see the shift. So, you know, people, you know, people want to buy from people that are like them, you know. So, you know, we, you know, we all had, I'm sure we all had some involvement at one point, but, you know, admittedly, there's going to be some legacy users that are going to look at me a little different than, you know, one of my employees that was running a well-known legacy shop, right? Right. So they want to know that they're, you know, involving themselves with the same community, the same culture, and we understand them and we understand what they want. So people will pay in any industry as long as the quality is there to match, the service is there, you know, and they get the results that they're expecting. That's that's sort of what it comes down to. So it's it's finally starting to happen. And then- the marketing stuff. We're not, we're not there yet. Like I know I'm rambling on here, but like, for example, cookies and, and run the jewels, they got their, their ooh-la-la that came out really good weed. It's expensive. It's built on marketing, but no one is jumping on it because there's no marketing to create the hype here in Canada. Like it's ridiculous how restricted we are. Right. So it's inevitably going to change, you know, but until you can connect brands with other brands you know, it's it's going to all be dependent on us retailers, which is great, but it's not enough to like create that massive awareness and get people rushing in the door type thing, at least yet. You know, so so that's the thing. 
yeah. I mean, you both brought up aspects of this like last point. I just want both your your thoughts on because there's just some interesting stuff that came out from headset again. But it's talking just about the difference between California and Ontario. And mm. I found these numbers really interesting. So it's talking about how in California there's uh, uh, 1135 uh, actively licensed storefronts. In Ontario, there's 1037 actively. So pretty close. However, when you look at the products available, this is actually staggering. It says that in, in California that these 1,100 stores have access to 37,000 unique products. Jesus. Where in Ontario, there's a total of uh, 2,200 around. When the average median store in Ontario is selling uh, around 400 uh, unique products a year, in California, it's close to 1,500 unique products a year. Wow. That, those numbers are staggering considering the store levels are the same. Obviously, the population is nowhere near the same. Right. But it's just interesting. But, but and like not a day goes by where where that industry in that state is is really fucked up. Like mm. the legacy market is taking back market share. Mm. Stores are closing. They yeah. have way more municipalities that have opted out. And, you know, it's it, the regulations are through the taxes. There was just a story mm. this week about the social equity licensees are just waiting forever. It's bleeding them dry. Like it's not one to emulate. Certainly on the product side, it's great. But mm -hmm. also the legacy market there is just mm -hmm, mm -hmm. super strong and deep like, and generations old. And not that we don't have that too, but like the, you know, a, a huge number of those 3000 brands, you know, products are going to go out and a, and a huge number of those retailers are in deep, deep shit. Yeah. And like, that's, those are crazy numbers because we have a population of what, uh, 15 million in Ontario and, and California has what, 36. over 30 million yeah, more, yeah. Yeah. or more. So that's crazy. And then, yeah, the big thing is taxes there, like as high as our taxes can be. And, you know, the, the, the tax that the growers get charged that's passed on to us, you know, it's not even close to as high as it is in California. So, you know, you're right. They're taking over market share. The, the other thing in California and Oregon, for example, they allowed so many of these growers to, to flood the market. So that's also like a there, there's a bit of um um, a misnomer of, of the price per gram. Cause yeah, you can get weed for like a dollar per gram type thing. Right. But think of it as like the oil market. There's different levels of quality of crude. You can still go out and grab 15, $20 a gram weed and it's going to be primo, or you can go grab some swag that was grown outside. And it's like, so it's, so it's sort of distorting the, the market massively. Um, but on the other side, you know, that's sort of a cool thing with all the different products. Cause it would be cool to see like a store down the street got some product that I couldn't get. And then I got some product that they couldn't get. So it, it's what's it's driving the consumer to to make it fun again. You know, of we're going here to grab there. Oh, like you don't have it. Oh, that guy's got it. And then maybe it's a, a matter of who makes the deals, you know, who can make stuff happen better than the next guy. Well, so, the other thing that uh, California doesn't have that Ontario does is universal health care. So. Yeah, right. That's it. <laughs> no, not to get not to get social policy on you, but, yeah. you know, yeah, that's it's true. still better to live here. Big time. Yeah. So, so it's yeah, the bottom line, like I, I got to say from all this price compression is good for the consumer. I think um, a lot of these value type brands are are, are starting to wake up like, you know, I've, I've heard data, read data. You know, they may be doing three times the sales of a typical store but they're still losing money like crazy. What's the point of revenue for revenue's sake if you're just losing money? The, the other end of the, the coin is to gain market share, you know, and, and starve them out. So 
Um, short term, the consumer's winning. I'll tell you that. Um, and eventually, you know, I, I think things will change and it'll be good for everybody, not just the consumer. Great. I think that's a that's a perfect spot to end it. As always, guys, this has been a great episode. Thanks, Cliff, for coming on. Thank guys, you. make sure to check out uh, the Tokex platform. Again, you could text hi to 647-371-0391 to get started. Make sure to check out the business of cannabis. Go uh, if you want. You can check out Cliff. What's uh, can you plug your uh, your podcast or YouTube show again? What, what's yeah, that? yeah. I've been uh, running something called uh, Cannabis Corner. We're on Instagram, yeah. uh, Cannabis Corner To, where same type of thing here. I'm bringing on influencers, different leaders in the industry to talk about what they were doing before legalization, how they got into the business, what they're doing now, and where they see themselves and the industry going. It's a way to sort of plug them but provide insight from professionals in this industry to give us some insight of where all this is going. Jay, any plugs for BOC? Businessofcannabis.com. Also, because you're watching this on YouTube, find our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash businessofcannabis. And if yeah, you it's in the description, guys. It's also under our channels. Check that out. Right on. Um, and uh, lastly, if you live in the Toronto area and you check out Cliff's uh, podcast, you can probably figure out the independent location. Go visit him. It's great. He's got a great job. It's amazing. Um, and Somebody that's it. Check us out on YouTube, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, where all good podcasts are found. We are there. That's it, guys. Thanks again. It's also where all the shitty around. podcasts are found, just so you know. Yeah, they're both there. And the mediocre <laughs> one. They're all there. Just not Neil <laughs> Young on Spotify. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, All right, bye guys. Right, guys. Thanks. Thank you. See you later. Bye, bye guys. guys.